Street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Hi, everybody. Um, I am Chucky, and this is the Street Epistemology live show. I've got Janusz here and Lisa. Um, and we are here to take your questions about SE, um, to explore claims live. If you have a claim that you want to explore with one of us, uh, we're not going to gang up on you. It's just going to be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and otherwise, we're going to be talking about SE today. Um, how's it going, everybody? Good. How are you? Good. How are you, Lisa? <laughs> I'm doing great. Excellent. I already did a SE meeting today. It's been fun. So my SE right. day. <laughs> you were telling us uh, before we started that you just came from your street epistemology meetup. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you we want to tell, tell us about that? In, yeah. We've been doing this meetup here in Salt Lake City for a couple of months. It started in uh december so we're just kind of getting started and getting going and we have a couple of people who are regulars and mostly it's new people but we meet every other saturday in real life like face to face it's pretty weird and also fun yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting because we we've been in touch before a little bit um because i, I have um this german language practice group and we meet up uh, also on a well we used to meet up on a weekly basis and now some people ask for an additional um time during the week so it's now it's mm -hmm. twice a week um not cool. everyone will be there on both on both uh dates of course but but yeah so and how long we, have you been doing that we've been doing that for um almost one and a half years now Oh, yeah, wow. we started yeah we started wow. at the be beginning of last year mm -hmm. um is it and people speaking german or is it people in that time zone it's uh, people speaking german and it's okay, not wow. only germans it's it's also uh austrians and i think we at, at some point we had a um someone from switzerland but usually it's germans cool, or cool. Mo most of them um but yeah it's it's uh our intention is to make it like German language, but not, of course, not restricted to to German uh, nationality. German only topics, <laughs> right? That that as well. Um, Bratwurst yeah, we... versus uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what kind of beer you yeah. like? Ah, oh, we've never we've never done an interview on beer brands. We should do that. <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> we're revealing our stereotypes about Germany. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it's all accurate. There is nothing. <laughs> it's all accurate. Yeah, it's all accurate. I only wear lederhosen and drink beer. <laughs> yeah. I heard stereotypes save time, so they do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and if but there's yeah. one thing a German likes to do, it's save time. <laughs> yeah, very efficient. Um, so, how about your your meetup uh, in person? 
you say it's just been going on since December, but like, how are people finding yeah. out about it and stuff? So we're on meetup.com and we have a, a, a Facebook page as well that I think there's only like 14 people on the Facebook page right now, but uh, we're getting more and more on meetup every week and new people coming every time. And uh, a lot of them don't really know anything about street epistemology. And so we have beginners each week. Is that true with the German group as well? Um, or is it a regular? Not, not every week. Um, we have, there will be some weeks or sometimes we'll, we won't have new people joining us for mm. two or three or four weeks. But usually some people uh, don't have time anymore. So they stop coming on a regular basis. Um, some people only have time every other week or so. But yeah, we right. usually have maybe every second or third meeting, we have at least one new person showing up. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so, so we I'm trying also... to balance, like maybe you can give me some advice on this. Like how do you balance the new people coming in who know nothing and the people who are ready to go and they want to start practicing? And But you have to do some kind of introduction, educational type thing so they know what's going on, the new people. Right. Um, well, we usually, what we do is we have... Um, I think it's similar to the English uh, language practice group. Um, uh, people um, mute their mics and um, turn off their cameras when you have mm -hmm. a practice interview. So um, we do that as well. And then we tell when people are new, we encourage them to ask questions if they don't understand something. But other than that, mm -hmm. we, we also ask them if they just want to if they want to try it, if they want to be interviewed, or if they want to do an interview, we offer them that we can do like a, a guided uh, interview. Like oh, we can- With help? With help, yeah. Like um, we offer them if you want, if you want to try doing an interview yourself, you can just, mm -hmm. you know, jump in and try it. Or you we can uh, tell t uh, talk about the question that you could ask. You ask the question, conversation continues and then again we say okay what's a good question to ask now now we've established mm -hmm. rapport now what's the next step and we talk about that um and we haven't met we haven't had many people uh take us up on that offer to do the guided thing most people were like you just no just want to listen for now listen mm -hmm. for now or just dive in like those two yeah yeah <laughs> were usually the yeah what people wanted to do but yeah people are Oftentimes they will just join and listen for one or two sessions and then maybe ask some questions in between when we give feedback. Um, mm -hmm. But we don't do like extensive introductory sessions where we explain the basics of SE. Um, we offer that to do that. Of course, if they ask, have questions in between, but we don't do like, right. okay, we're going to take this half hour to just talk about the basics. Yeah. Okay. I, I did a workshop once with um, Michael Mead, um, who's another SE -er, and what we wound up doing was we did a really quick like pretend talk between us two just to sort of show people what it what it was about and then we asked people to volunteer to 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 be each part okay. and we had up a list of sort of like example questions that you might ask and then they would basically just sort of ask a question and try to have a conversation and if they got stuck mm -hmm. They could be like, I'm not really sure what to say next. <laughs> okay. And then we would try to help them. And it, it really worked 
quite well. Okay, awesome. we've been doing similar things, so that's good to yeah. hear. Because I what? really wasn't sure of format and how this is supposed to work. Nobody really knows. <laughs> figuring it out as we go. What's what, that, Janusz? What What were your experiences, Lisa? What like what? How do you go go about with with new people joining and? Yeah, I came up with a schedule that I try to follow every time. And so far, it's worked okay. So we do introductions of everybody who shows up. So everybody sure. is, so you're building rapport and doing that right off the bat. And so everybody feels included and welcome. We do that too, by the way. Everybody's nervous and stuff as they walk in, they don't know what to expect. So we sure. spend the first 15 minutes probably just getting to know each other as everybody's coming in late and whatever. And then we do, we spend how, how another many people usually minutes. come. Um, we've had about four was our smallest group. And then I think 12 was our largest group. Oh yeah. That's great. So far um, for in person. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been cool. Yeah. So then we spend 15 minutes talking about a different topic. Like today we talked about using thought experiments. So we talked about like doing the Tic Tac thing and the, uh, the box of truth and just different ideas and just talking about truth in general, which was cool. And like last week we talked about shooting the messenger. And so just like we'd spend a few minutes discussing something relevant to doing SE and then we do practice conversations. So usually pick one conversation partner and one question asker and just see, usually have, somebody who's done it before go first and then let the new people give it a try if they're interested or just keep watching like whatever so and we use the claims or they can come up with their own claim so cool that's really cool it sounds like a college class works. with uh recitation sections and, and everything yeah. where you have like this week we're talking about this main thing and then we're going to break uh -huh. out and, and do individual practice work yeah, I find it works really well if I like stick to the schedule so people know what to expect. And then when the yeah. time's up, I'm like, okay, whoever needs to leave can leave. Whoever wants to stay, stick around and do another one or two, yeah. you're welcome to do that. I have another half hour or whatever. So, so I'm just going to remind everybody stay. in chat to uh, we're we're taking calls. So if you want to call in and either ask a question or explore a claim. Um, I see some familiar faces in chat, and uh, we're definitely looking to get some people on. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to keep talking to each other about uh, our experience doing SE sort of off-camera. Um, Lisa has a meetup that she's telling us about. Um, I kind of jumped over top of you, but just making sure we get everybody on board. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And we're we're probably just going to keep talking about what what we were talking about. Uh, but if you if you want to jump in and if you have a question or a claim to explore, just yeah. join at any time, and we will find the, the a good moment to right. uh, to put you on the show and go live. Don't yeah. worry that you're gonna like clobber a conversation. You you enter a queue, and then we choose when when you actually get live. So um... exactly. Join join any time with uh, any claim or any, any question. And also, if you're not comfortable with sharing your face, you can call in and just use voice chat. That's fine as well. Um, 
so yeah, Lisa, you you were telling us about uh, about how you split up the different sections, how you how you do each week, um, mm -hmm. and people are coming back, so I guess they I guess they like it, huh? Some people like it. Some people are there <laughs> to date. That's the other thing. I really, like, yeah, I guess people. that's what meetups are all about. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, where where are all the chicks? And they're yeah. <laughs> it's very male dominated. Yeah. So. But, I've uh, I've only been to one meetup before, like a meetup meetup, and it was uh, it was for technical stuff. And lo and behold, uh, I, you know, almost every person in the room was uh, was male. <laughs> yeah, which I get. I guess dating yeah. apps are not always easy, but if they're there to date, they're going to be disappointed. But if they're there <laughs> to learn something new, right? Then, uh, then they well, usually end up having a good time. Ideally, maybe for some people it can be both. They learn something new, and then yeah, already have a shared interest. Who knows? But right, yeah, yeah. I guess oh, I guess that's why people do it. Board. Yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting thing. I mean, we we've talked about this occasionally, and it seems like street epistemology is something that women should I don't know gravitate towards. It's about I mean, again, this is just as bad as stereotyping Germans, but it's about communication and it's about talking to people. And, and you know, I, I just I don't understand why we don't see more female faces. Yeah, Not to put fighting. you on the spot either, Lisa. <laughs> I know. I, well, that's why I want to do this. So people yeah. will say, oh, there are women who do this or at least one. <laughs> I mean, there's a few here and there, but there definitely are. Yeah, they just yeah, we, we need to see them more. Yeah. We are we're we had, very happy. Sorry. Yeah. I uh, I was just, we had one of our conversations that we did today at the group was um, the claims that we explored was women are more nurturing than men oh, was the claim. Um, and so I had somebody else ask me questions. So I was the interlocutor on that claim. And that was actually really fun. Um, you were telling us before that you have a list of, of topics. So do you mm -hmm. want to maybe give some examples of some things people might want to call in and, and discuss? Yeah, these are things that I have printed out and I put on, like I just put up in during the group. And I say, you can pick one of these claims to explore or you can come up with your own. Or we I put them on three by five cards as well and just had people randomly pick them as well. And that like people liked doing that too. Um, so I have, this, yeah, I, uh, go ahead. I've, I've done the same thing, uh, mm -hmm. compile a list of potential claims that people could, could use to have a conversation because sometimes even when I do it, like I do it outside with strangers and people will say, oh, sure, let's do this, but I don't know. I don't have a claim. What, what do you want right. to talk about? And I would yeah. give them a list and believe. they would pick one. I, but, I can't yeah, tell you that, how many times I've heard somebody say, I don't believe anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a claim right there yeah yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah, yeah so but our... that's just just want to say that there there's probably some potential we could we could um give each other our list and see what we like mm -hmm. about each other's lists and then see what like pick what the best works. ones or yeah okay. yeah because we were doing um like role playing our first couple meetings and it seemed really ineffective because they you don't really care about this, but you kind of yeah. know the words you're supposed to say. And um, 
So I usually say try, say, try to pick something that you have an opinion on, even if it's the opposite or like, or you're right in the middle and you're trying to decide which way to go on it. Yeah. Um, so we have astrology works. Crystals have healing powers. Ghosts and spirits are real. The law of attraction works. Gender is a social construct. Gender is binary. Extraterrestrials have visited Earth. Bigfoot exists. Belief should not be doubted. Women should dress modestly. It's kind of a big one for Utah. Women are more nurturing than men. God is real. Burning sage cleanses living spaces. People have souls. Prayer works. There is an afterlife. We'll be reincarnated after we die. So that's just my basic those are great. list of ideas. We've done a lot of those. What, what we did was um, we put all these claims together and there some of them are this are also on your list Similar, yeah. um for like astrology for example and what we did was we always put not in brackets basically mm. or uh there are and then bracket uh exactly two or more than two um genders for example mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. um astrology says something or nothing about the character of a person um, so that people will always, it's, it's not so a the list opposite of, is there too. Right. And it's, it, it, to make sure that it's balanced and no one can say it's, uh, it's so like, I have all these outlandish claims and right in the middle is my claim that I believe in. Like there's, uh, people, what a flat earth and, uh, Bigfoot uh -huh. and below that you <laughs> say women should dress modestly. Well, that's true. But the other ones, I don't, that's <laughs> nonsense. You know, people yeah. take that as an offense, so that's why we we did it that way. There's yeah, a, we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, about doing it. How do you se a negative claim like Bigfoot doesn't exist or um, we don't have souls? Yeah. Well, that's you can do that. That's it's. Oh. I I think it's you can. It's a. It can you make don't think for it really interesting. Way? Yeah, yeah. I I believe you can do can do it either way and i i think that these negative claims can make for very interesting um interviews and i mm -hmm. think anthony has done uh has interviewed a girl who said there is no god i'm an atheist i believe there is no god and i think that was interesting um um i have a thing that i've been re uh telling people on facebook uh which is a little more uh i don't know generic but the same kind of idea, like I want to show that I'm not looking for one or the other. Um, but I say, um, when I talk to people about a belief that you hold dear or that affects your actions, maybe you believe in one or many mm -hmm. gods or karma or reincarnation. Maybe you believe black lives matter or maybe you think blue ones do. Maybe you believe abortion is murder or maybe you believe in the right to choose. Maybe you think gender is fluid or that homosexuality is a sin or that trans women should be excluded from women's spaces. Maybe you mm -hmm. believe healthcare is a right, but the only legitimate rights are property rights. Um, so there's another another list. Well, we have a caller. Um, Excellent. Parisha, I'll cool. put you on the stream. I'll add you. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. I hope it's okay if I'm calling in again. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I was willing to defend the claim of reincarnation. 
Cool. Yeah. Super cool. So I've talked to you before, so I'll let somebody else um, take take the conversation. Wh which of you would like to do it? Not me. Not you? <laughs> I'm not ready yet. I'm too nervous. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do it. Sure. Okay. All right. Hide, hide us so that we don't bug you while you talk. Yeah. Uh, sure. I'll do that. Let's see. Um, think. Yeah, that works. All right. Um, we'll t uh, we'll time it for maybe. Uh, hold on. What do you usually time it for? I don't remember, Chucky. I, I would say we probably should try to keep it to fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if no one if no one in chat wants to call in, maybe go for another five. But I wouldn't go past twenty. Okay. Uh, let me see. I think I can. Yeah, I have a timer here on my computer. Uh, all right. Time it for 15. Okay, so um, I don't I don't think we've met before, right? Uh, I don't think... I think I was on a previous uh, street epistemology call-in, but I'm not sure if you were in it. But if you were, mm -hmm. I spent most of the time talking to Chucky, I believe. Yeah, I... I if I if we've met, I don't remember. So my name is Janosch. Hi, I'm go by Parisia online. Parisia, okay. Yeah. Hi. Um. So your claim is that, or let I'll let you, uh, phrase your claim. So the so there's a list of claims that are made, and they said reincarnation. So I think mm -hmm. my belief qualifies as reincarnation. Okay. Basically, I think that after I die, at some point in time, I will have conscious experiences again. Okay. So, like, you know, if, if you go to sleep and you wake up again, you, mm -hmm. have, uh, you have conscious experiences after that. If you go and you die, I think people normally assume you don't have conscious experiences afterwards. Or they believe that some people believe in heaven. You wake up and you're in an you know, you're in heaven or they believe you're reincarnated as mm -hmm. and you'll exist again. I don't necessarily think we'll exist as humans, but I think that I'll exist as some conscious being at some later point in time. I see. So um, as a conscious being, not necessarily a human, but um, when you say um, we have conscious experiences again, does that mean in this world or could it be like another dimension or some a different way of existence than this one? Or is it this world? What do you believe in? It could be either. Yeah, could it, it either. could be. Yeah. Another world, another dimension. Um, okay. yeah. I see. Um, all right. What? What is your confidence that this belief is true? And you probably know about the scales, um, the different scale yeah. belief. So you just pick one that you're most comfortable with. Um, maybe 75%. 75%. Okay. What's your main reason why you believe that we will have conscious experiences again? Um, so I was persuaded of this by an article by a philosopher named Michael Humer called Existence is Evidence of Immortality. And uh, the short of it is basically, I think time is infinite. 
And I think that it's possible that I exist once or it's possible that I exist over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I exist now is much more likely in a world where I exist over and over and over again than it is in a world where I have a one-off existence. I see. So it's, uh, if I understand you correctly, it's, um, it's a question of probability in a world, in, in, a, in a universe with infinite time? Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, when you say that you will have conscious experiences again, just w will will you have memory of uh, of this when you do? No, I won't. You won't have memory of that. Okay. How how is that? person you in what sense that, so it would be me so i mean i guess this is a tangential thing with like philosophy like person but it would be me in the same way that when i go to sleep i wake up it's still me yeah okay so like uh i'm the one having the experiences and huh. at some point in time later, I will be the one having the experiences. Even if I don't remember the early experiences, I still conceive of it as being me. If that makes mm, sense. Okay. I see. Um, well, when you, when you go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning, um, you have a memory of going to bed, right? So yeah. there's some sense of continuity. Um, how does that work with with you being you being the same person but having no memory of yourself of your past existence um so i think i could like analogize like if i was put in a coma and i literally forgot nothing and then i woke up from the coma and i and i could be having new experience i still think it's me in some sense like my personal identity is not totally contingent on having memories of my past self. Okay. Yeah. Cause I guess, I guess you could kind of reduct you out of cert on that and say like, if you forgot this memory of this thing you did, does it cease becoming something you did? Is that someone else? I see. I don't yeah. think so. Uh -huh. Um, could you be wrong about this? belief yeah i could be wrong <laughs> how would you be able to to find out about that it would have to be some sort of argument rather than a piece of evidence i mean if i did get reborn and i real and i remembered then that would be some evidence in favor mm -hmm. but now it would be a difficult belief to kind of look at empirically okay yeah um So, you, if I understand you correctly, if there was anything that could sway you in your belief and, and decrease your confidence in the truth of this belief, it would be a philosophical argument, basically? Not, yeah. Not, 
Okay. Not an experience, yeah. not evidence. Okay. Um, well, there is... Yeah, so my, my belief is based partially on evidence and the evidence is that it exists at this moment, hmm. right? So there's some Christians that try to make an argument that it's kind of weird that the universe is fine-tuned precisely to allow my existence. Mm -hmm. But the fallacy there or the error in reasoning is you would not exist in a universe which does not have the correct parameters to allow existence, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not really evidence that God exists so much as it's evidence that, you know, an observer would be in a universe that would have these characteristics. And so for similar reasons, I think the fact that I'm observing things is better evidence that I exist again and again, than I just have one existence. Yeah. Not sure. I understand that you're, let me try and rephrase that. Um, or, or, or repeat that back to you in my words. Um, you're saying that your existence is evidence of evidence supporting the belief that you will have conscious experiences again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, if, if you only lived once this one time and you never had conscious experiences in the past and you never will have conscious experiences in the future again, if that was the case, what would the evidence look like then? Uh, it would also be one existence. Yeah. So how, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, how, um, how does how does the evidence support your belief? So you kind of have to use like a, I guess a Bayesian argument where you flip it. So let's say I have a blue marble, right? Mm -hmm. Or I say I just drew a blue marble, so I have a blue marble in my hand, and I have two buckets. One bucket has one hundred million blue marbles, right? Here's another bucket. It has a hundred million red marbles, but one blue marble, mm -hmm. right? And I tell you, I have a blue marble. Which bucket did it most likely come from? I see. So if I understand you correctly, that is, that is an example of basically you're, you only have um, the experience of, of existing at this point in time having this yeah. conscious experiences experience yeah and what is the more likely explanation that there you drew from a universe that only has you in it once or you drew that from an, a universe that has you in it multiple or many or maybe infinite times yeah exactly. Okay. exactly okay okay yeah. because what? you could say you could say well oh you have a blue marble you could have drawn it from the one that has a hundred million red marbles and one blue marble. You could have, it's right. possible. Yeah. What, what would, what would drawing a red marble feel like to you? The problem is it wouldn't feel like anything. You wouldn't exist. <laughs> okay. So how can we,
could, could, could one um, see that? Could one make the same argument as with what you said about the fine-tuned universe? You are in a conscious, conscious state, mm-hmm. and you are experiencing the world and asking yourself the question, what's more likely? And it mm-hmm. has to be from a position of being in a conscious state and therefore you like what does that tell you about the the number of marbles basically so it's or the so number of it, marbles um uh it will it tells you like basically so like i think the christian thinking is there's one universe what are the chances that every parameter would be so finely tuned that we would exist in this world? And not only would we exist, we would be on this rock that's in this certain place, this distance from the sun that allows perfect life. That's amazing. It Mm. must be that a God made it so this one universe is perfect for us to exist. Whereas you could say, seems more plausible that maybe there's multiple universes or there's multiple areas of universes or there's multiple times throughout history i think i understand that part of the argument yeah okay i'm sorry to not answer your question um well i'm wondering how one if if you could apply the same logic to your existence like because you said if there was no um if you only had one conscious experience, your conclusion that there have to be um, many conscious experiences of you would have to come from a place of you existing, but it could... Like, how can you... hmm, How can you tell the difference between you saying that from a position of many conscious experiences or just this one how, how does the, the evidence look different the evidence is the same either way it's you have to pick the hypothesis and you can use you can pick which hypothesis is more likely provided the evidence and the hypothesis which is more likely provide the evidence is multiple existences okay okay yeah it's like which which so like you can say like does this evidence support this hypothesis or this hypothesis mm-hmm. and the evidence better supports a repeated existence hypothesis okay I'm still not entirely sure I understand the reasoning behind why the evidence supports that more but uh, maybe we can continue this at another time. Uh, I'm looking at the sure. clock here. Uh, it, sure, it's sure, been sure. interesting to, to... I think I understood your reasons a lot better or now understand them a lot better. Uh, last question. Um, do you think that the 70% is the most accurate position that, that describes your confidence? Um. Yeah, I think I still have the similar confidence. Yeah. All right. All right. Do you, as your <laughs> probability of that being true increased at all? <laughs> my my own opinion on whether sure, or not that's yeah. true. Um, to be honest, I haven't really 
ask myself, I haven't really thought about what I think about the, the likelihood of that belief being true. Um, so I can't really tell you. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Yeah. Like even if in the future, like if the universe just keeps expanding, contracting, moving and stuff like that, it's for infinite amount of time, like your brain will be reconstructed such, you know, if, if that's the case. Um, and I don't know about the evidence for, for that being true, but yeah, sure. thank you very much. I'll, I'll yeah, add thank you. Uh, Chucky and Lisa back to the stream and maybe we can, uh, we can, leave you on for a few more minutes and discuss yeah. the interview sure boot me whenever that's fine boot me whenever <laughs> yeah i think that's a great idea um how did, how did you feel about the conversation um good that was good okay cool oh you're asking him no 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 i'm asking you oh, okay asking okay. You. okay good <laughs> <laughs> i think it's um, uh i i think it appears weird because it's a t it's a weird type of reasoning yeah hmm. if that makes sense it's unusual you don't usually think in those terms yeah it's an interesting argument i didn't i didn't expect that you would go there i think that's one of the great things about se is like you know janosch isn't trying to predict what you're going to say he's just listening to to your argument and it's all about how you came to the conclusion yeah yeah, I had heard of that argument before, but it's been a while ago, and I've, I honestly haven't given it much thought. So, yeah, I don't know where I stand. On the uh, it it looks like we have somebody in. Don't add them. Don't add them to. They're okay. they're cursing in the in the private chat. Okay, well, I can I can kick them. Yeah, that that's probably the best thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, like uh, I mean, we are very open to taking on callers but if you're if you're rude or if you curse yeah um that's not a not a good way to get invited on the show so yeah I, actually it's it's okay it's okay to say you know words like shit but uh don't don't say racial slurs that's not appropriate <clears throat> um so you enjoyed the conversation do you do you feel like you understand your own reasoning better now I feel like I'm probably similar okay. to, to where I was on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fair. So any feedback on my technique on how, how well I did, where I screwed up, what I should have I done missed better. part in the middle. So yeah. <laughs> my bad. How uh, how about um, I, I always don't know how to say your name. Is it per Parisia? Parisia. I just say Parisia. Yeah. Parisia. Parisia. Do do you have feedback for Janosch? Like, what what did you expect him to ask, or what did you want him to ask that he didn't ask? So he asked the usual questions: the confidence in your claim. Uh, <laughs> how did you come to believe that? That was good. Could you be wrong? That was good. Um, I guess, like, I mean, I watch a lot of Sri epistemology videos, so I, I don't know. These are things I think about already. Like, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. get. Could you be wrong? I don't get caught off guard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's great how readily you admitted you could be wrong. I mean, you're you're only at seventy five percent to begin with, but it, it, I, I heard him say something about what would bring you down, and you said probably not, probably not um, like evidence, but but maybe an argument. And so maybe it would have been interesting to explore like what kind of argument, or do you, have you thought of some arguments or something like that? So like, if time is not infinite, then it's not like a it's not like a uh, infinite bag of marbles that you draw from. It'd be more like finite. And so it would be more probable that you wouldn't be born again. So if time started like a billion years ago, then I would think I'd only exist once. So the time one is the time one is important. But if time if the universe keeps expanding and contracting and we just keep going on and on, then I think that there's the room for the repeated existences over and over again. Right. Well, I, 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 I heard that too. And then I asked, so it's, it's an argument there. It's not based on evidence. And then Parisha, you said, well, there is evidence and the evidence is my existence. So I, I decided to explore that instead of the, the argument part, but yeah, still, it would have been interesting to talk about what kind of argument and go in that direction. Yeah. yeah, these yeah. things can always go in so many directions. Yeah. Um, I was interested in the idea that there's almost maybe a more basic claim that I think I heard you make, which is that, um, and, and let me know if I'm, if I'm misphrasing this, but that you can be yourself and not have any memories from the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that would be another interesting claim to sort of dive into because I feel like that props up this belief in reincarnation. I mean, like people forget things, right? And they don't become different people by traditional I I definitions. Would, I would ask, maybe, are they not different people? Uh, I think... I think it has to do with like the stream of consciousness or like the, it has to deal with what is receiving the consciousness. I just think, I don't think forgetting makes it, makes you different. Mm. Yeah. It, this would be a, like a whole conversation, I think, but it would be fascinating. Yeah. Maybe we, we yeah, can, maybe you and I or someone else in, in you can continue this at, at another time. Sure. Um, yeah. So to step to step back just a little bit, we've had a couple people in chat who are threatening to call in, but I'm not sure we've actually got anybody calling in. Is that right? Uh, we have Daniel Ray in. Okay, excellent. In line, waiting. All so... right. So thank you so much for calling, Parisia. It's been fun, and uh, I hope to talk to you again. Nice chatting. Have a great day, guys. You too. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. All right. Hi, Daniel. Hi, guys. Can you hear us? I can for the moment. Excellent. I live in a metal barn in rural Texas, so my uh, connection is going to be spotty. Okay, and no if worries. I, uh, expire, I will um, try to reconnect. We won't hold it against you if you get disconnected. Yeah, it's not, it, it's not that uh, I ran away scared. Uh, it might be. There's a slight chance. <laughs> Give it time. Um, Janusz, is Give there any time, chance I... we could turn him up just a bit? I'll is see that too... if I can do that. It's just That's a little as loud quiet. as I can make it. 
Oh, yeah. I can yell. Hold on. Um, so, Daniel, we were talking a bit in the chat, um, and I invited you to, to come on to talk because I know that you're sort of a, a, a critic of string epistemology. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be super fun to, you know, I'm happy to let you say your, your piece about that, but it would be great if, if you'd also uh, explore belief with us. Sure. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, as much content as I make, I probably watch and digest more than I uh, produce. Um, you know, I'm constantly trying to learn, um, but I have, I have asked people to do this with me and haven't got a lot of takers. I've had some private conversations with people. I, I, I try that, that route. Uh, because I feel those can be a, a lot more productive because they're you're not doing it for an audience and I want people to know that uh, my my criticisms are sincere and genuine and I'm a human being who puts on his pants like everybody else um, so I, I, I've tried to have a few and I've had a few good private conversations with people who practice uh, se and I I enjoy watching the shows and and, and seeing how you guys uh, talk about things of course but I, I I'm not here to to, to give airtime to my criticisms, you know, uh, I would, if you want to run me through the gauntlet, that would be perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'd personally be happy to, to have a conversation with you about a, about a claim, but, and we were talking about this in chat, I don't, I don't want to give you a claim because the idea is to, is to work collaboratively to help you explore something you're interested in exploring. Actually, I have an idea maybe if Daniel, if you're interested in trying to do an SE conversation yourself or an interview yourself, we, you could explore one of our claims. I have uh, I have a video where I SE'd myself. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, but no, I think uh, I, I think it would be fair because I don't want to, you guys do it to me. I think that's what people think. I've had some people say that I'm not willing to go through it or have my beliefs explored. So I, I think that would be fair because um, people might think that I've turned this into an opportunity to criticize you. And that's not what I'm, that's not why I, I joined the stream. I thought it was interesting that you guys would ask me questions about what I believe. And I think that that would be fine to go through. I've been asking people to do that and, and I would be happy to do that if you want to. All right, excellent. Um, so Lisa had read at the top of the show a list of maybe ideas. Do, did, does something strike your fancy? I know that you have a personal interest in, in Christianity, but I'm happy to talk with you about social issues or po politics or anything you want to talk about. Oh, no. Um, Lisa's is a good list. It's, it's a list I've seen similarly. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you guys know about me, so I'll just, I work for an organization here in Texas that we um, are constantly, we, we do research at, into other worldviews. Um, that's my job. I'm paid to, to constantly examine my, my biases about my own faith systems. But Sounds we, like a great job. We, we yeah, we, our, our, our purpose is to equip and inform the church about non-Christian worldviews. And so that's what we do. We talk about Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses. My boss is a former fourth generation Mormon. He came out of uh, Mormonism um, in his early 20s. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there's some commonality between what we do at Watchmen and, uh, you know, Mormonism and the SE. There's, there's some overlap there with, we, we have a dinner every month for uh, what we call Mormons in Transition. 
people who are leaving the church who know that Mormonism isn't true, and yet they're not really sure where they're going to go or where they're going to land. And so we have a very open, we make dinner, we have a very open sit down, talk, talk us, tell us about your struggles and all this stuff uh, once a month, a meetup group like what Lisa has in Utah. Um, and so, so, so there's some commonality there that, that I have. And um, so anyway, I, you know, my, my love, my life is, is Christ. I mean, that's, that's what, um, that's why I do these things. And I mean, if you've watched any of my videos, I don't just try to do critiques. I try to offer a Christian point of view. And um, so the last couple of months we've been putting together uh, epistemology philosophy from a Christian perspective so that it's not just an open criticism of, S of SE, but I'm constructively trying to at least provide alternative epistemological thoughts from a Christian perspective to people that are interested to find out more about that. So we'll uh, by the middle of May, we'll have five separate podcasts with resources about epistemology from a Christian perspective. So we can explore something about Christianity if you'd like. Okay, excellent. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. Um, I assume... Lisa, that you maybe you wait for the next one. Please. Okay, yeah, go for it. Lisa could do it. Right. She's fine. She, I, she, she, I would be fine. She could do it. I'm not. I won't be a hard customer. You <laughs> if she wants to practice. <laughs> I think uh, Lisa wants I'll to be very nice. I'll What's be the very claim nice. you're going with? Uh, I believe uh, Jesus. It's Easter, so why don't we talk about the resurrection? Mm. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Go for it, Chucky. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Um, I, yeah, I, no worries. I'm no worries. No worries. No stress whatsoever. All right. Um, so, yeah, Janosch is removing. So it's just us. You, that, this way you won't be, you know, ganged up on, Daniel. Oh, that's fine. I, I you know, if you want to do that. If, Janosch, if they want to prepare and jump in, I'm cool with that. Chuck. Well, no, I mean, in some sense, it's not really what it's about. Like we don't want to gang up on you. I mean, no, no, no. I know, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want you guys to feel like I'm requesting that you isolate. Oh yourself. no, no, no. We do this with every, with every conversation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. Um. So okay. So you want to talk about the 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 resurrection? Can you can you maybe just state what what it is that you believe about a resurrection? Yes, I believe that uh, God came to us embodied in the person of the son in trinitarian theology jesus is the second person of the trinity um, and god came to us in the flesh in human form in human as a human being fully god fully man in the person of christ he was born uh lived died by crucifixion under pontius pilate during the reign of the roman emperor tiberius um and uh rose again, even to the astonishment of his disciples who did not believe. And I, I find the testimonies in the Gospels to be historically reliable. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of claims here. So if you want, I know you want to isolate it down to yeah, the yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just giving, just, I'm just giving you background. So whatever you want before, to pursue. Before we move on, I'm actually hearing a little bit of static from your mic. Is there, it, it wasn't there before. Is there anything maybe that's... Uh, let me try this. How's that? Is that better? I think that it actually seems to be the same. It's definitely a different mic, but I'm still hearing the static. Okay. Um, that, that's just my um, rubber band and coat. Oh, uh, that sounds much better. That sounds much better. Okay. It's going to. Oh, gonna, yeah. This is. Chuck, it's going to go back and forth. So I apologize ahead of time. 
No, this is like music to my ears. This sounds fantastic. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I heard you. I heard you say that you you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then a lot of specific details. Like you have a very yeah. fleshed out belief. No, no pun intended. Um, about one. about the resurrection. Um, can we maybe condense this to let's say? Um, Jesus Christ was resurrected in bodily form. That sounds just fine. Okay. Now, I definitely, like, you know, I want to make sure I, I'm not putting words in your mouth. So I'm not trying to change the topic. I'm just trying to condense it because it, it was quite a mouthful. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I understand. So um, I understand part of the tactic is to isolate a belief, narrow it down. Um, and that's fine. Well, it, and I hear, I want to let you know, I hear that. And so we can, we can, during this discussion, we can talk about maybe your critiques and how you're feeling while you're, while nah. you're having a discussion. But I, I, mean, but I heard what? you, I mean, I don't know, it might be interesting. Um, but I heard you say that it's a, it's a tactic and I don't want to misconstrue you. It's just that, like, for example, you had, I can't repeat everything because I, I can't even remember it, but you, you talked about Pontius Pilate. We could explore a particular claim about Pontius Pilate, but it, it's just we can't explore more than one claim at a time. No, I understand. Yeah. Okay. And that's right. in derogatory sense. I mean, we all have okay. tactics. Excellent. Like Excellent. Okay. Greg yeah. Kukul. I'm interviewing Greg Kukul in, uh, this summer about his book, uh -huh. and we're going to talk about the differences and the similarities between street epistemology uh, and his book. Right. So I, I didn't mean tactic in a derogatory. Okay. Concept. All right. I just want to make sure, you know, we're, we, we stay friends. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I try to be the friendly critic. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I Excellent. Try to... Okay. All right. So I'm hearing you say that, that Jesus Christ was, was resurrected, brought back to life in bodily form. Is that, is that accurate? That is accurate. That that okay. is a good uh, narrow summation of it. Yes. Excellent. And I know there's lots to it, but I I heard you say that, and and again, don't let me put words in your mouth. But I think I heard you say that your best piece of evidence is is the Gospels. Is that correct? Uh, I would say the best piece of evidence. This may seem a little esoteric, but I think yeah. after 30 years in the faith, I think the best piece of evidence is Jesus Himself. Um, and okay. then scriptures are scriptures, are, of course of paramount importance, but were it not for Jesus, we don't have the gospels at all. Right. Okay. So it, it, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that because, um, and I can explain that more if you'd like, but that's, that's my position. That yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested because like, if I, if I asked you about, you know, your belief in, in something, something else, and you told me that, you know, one of your biggest reasons was a person, I'm I'm definitely interested to know like what about that person is is making you more confident. Well, so this this goes a little bit into where I work at Watchmen. So I've been at Watchmen for two years, and um, I'm certainly no expert in world religions, but I've had a lot more um, exposure to it, obviously, in studying the various worldviews and doctrines that we deal with at, at the ministry. But uh, we don't just deal with Mormonism and Islam and Jehovah's Witnesses and, you know, the big ones that you think of. We deal with all kinds of cults, New Age. Um, we, we go into all kinds of aberrant uh, Christian offshoots and non-Christian movements. And uh, we talk about atheism, scientism, agnosticism, 
Um, okay. we, we run the whole gamut. But what's interesting, Chuck, to me, Ch Chucky, I don't know what to call you. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Chuck, Chucky's fine, yeah. Chucky's fine. All right. Um, that Jesus figures centrally or even peripherally in most every one of these movements in some way, even the, from the Scientologists to the Mormons to, to the atheists and agnostics and Muslims, that Jesus is coming up all the time. And I'm not saying that that, that, that proves that he, he is true. We just had Robert Price on our Atheist and Christian Book Club, who is probably the leading mythicist uh, that's out there. There's not too many mythicists as a scholar. Uh, but we had Price on for two hours, and he, he gave us no arguments, really, for the non-existence of Jesus. I mean, historically, even, you know, the agnostic and atheist scholars will acknowledge that Jesus existed historically. So I think there's mm -hmm. there's solid uh, justification for uh, believing in, in that, that Jesus was a, a person. And then what's the best resource that tells us about the person of Jesus? And that would be the Bible. That's how I would view that. So that, okay, those are my... So to try to restate it, basically, ultimately, the, the reason is Jesus, and we know we know what he said and what he taught through through the Gospels. Is that is that accurate? That that's yeah, I would say that's fair. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, excellent. Um, okay, so um, about the claim Jesus was resurrected, how, how confident are you? So I, you've you've heard this a hundred times, but on a scale from zero to a hundred, where a hundred is like you can't possibly be wrong. Um, how, how confident are you that he was resurrected bodily? Are you familiar with my, my view on the confidence scale? Um, I'm, I'm not, I apologize. Uh, okay. I've only seen a couple of your videos. I, I don't know who, I don't know how many people are familiar with where I'm at on that. I, my, my thing to say, and it's not being dodgy. I, I don't put a number on it, Chucky. I okay. just say I'm very confident. And so. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And, and the only reason is, and here's the analogy of why I, I, I actually changed my mind on this uh, because I have some of my acquaintances and people that I work with through Watchmen are professional philosophers. And so literally one of my friends who is a professional philosopher, Tim McGrew, uh, through listening to some of his, his reasoning through um, Bayesian things and probabilities and whatnot, uh, I found myself finding it difficult to explain what I meant by say 79 yeah or absolutely 62 you know like yeah. how do you how, how do you strain yeah, the, that? the idea is just to get sort of a, a, a kind yeah. of a baseline right. like where you're at because some people right. some people you some people say that they believe something and then you ask them where you're at and there's they're like oh just barely above 50 50 you know yeah and I I understand the the colloquial use of, of the numerical value but yeah I'm so precise. I try to be anyway in my yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, I know it's frustrating to be asked a specific number, but I but I hear you yeah. saying that you're very high confident. Confident, yeah, I'm confident. I mean, yeah. to, okay. to to uh, yeah, conf I'm I'm confident. I'm I'm you know I'm, I'm I can adjust confident, not so confident, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, but I but you're, I'm, you're quite confident. Quite confident. Well, we can go with okay. that. Okay. All right. Excellent. Um. Okay, and 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 what's getting you uh, up that confidence scale is what you've found in the Gospels. Is that is that accurate? I don't want to tell a wrong story here. No, I know, I know. In general, the practice is to kind of find my tree trunk, my main reason, and it's honestly difficult for me to to give you, besides telling you that it's the person of Jesus how I would experience that personally has 
and I admit some epistemic limitations to it. I let, let me tell you, if 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 I may, if you'll permit me, why why we're after the Trump? If, sure. if it's okay. No, um, so sometimes you'll have a conversation with somebody who who has a belief, and and you'll say, you know, okay, what are what are what's one of your reasons? And they give a reason, and you you wind up talking for twenty minutes about that particular reason, and then you come to find out that if they didn't have that reason, their confidence wouldn't change. And so it, it's kind of like, well, we didn't really need to talk about it because that's not really propping up your belief. You, you see what I mean? Well, I think that the idea that, so you're talking, so, so on an epistemic level, I have said in some videos and other conversations that, that mm -hmm. At, at some point you hit an epistemic limitation in trying to describe how you know or why you know uh, what you believe in God. So I might say I came to Jesus when I was 25 or 26, but to give you the, the brass tacks of what I would call the, the epistemic mechanism by which I was once an unbeliever and then I was a believer was a process kind of like if you've ever stargazed, Chucky, you know, if you sat out at twilight, you watched uh -huh. one one star come in and then another star comes in and then another star comes in and but you can't really pinpoint a moment when all the stars have appeared and you're staring at a beautiful uh, black star filled night sky and and so that's how christianity came to me just a point of light here and oh look over there a point of light and they gradually emerged in this uh -huh. canopy that that i call my belief and so you're gonna it's kind of like asking me i'm giving you my perspective what what's the main star that caused you to to realize the sky was filled with stars? It, it's, yeah, it's it's hard episode yeah, yeah, yeah. for me to articulate um, or, yeah. or like trying to chase a thread. They're kind of intertwined, and and so I absolutely I'm yeah, I I totally see where you're coming from, and and to even ask like what's your main star is a bit of a weird question. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I don't. I'm not saying that as a criticism, but just as a as an epistemic yeah. difficulty of of being someone so like i would look at it this way you know we see when the in the act of seeing a star we use our eyes we see the star through our eyes but yeah. in the act of seeing chucky we don't see our own eyes and so i couldn't describe what the inside of my eyes look like by using my eyes Sure, um, sure. I think the goal the goal of this question is is to find out, for example, given given that example, given that uh, scenario, is is maybe the statement I can see the stars with my eyes. And so, it, it, the idea is to find something that it's it's actually evidence in the sense that if you didn't have it, your confidence would be lower. Well, I, I think we could go back to, to the person of Jesus himself. I think that's, if I'm going to get, be as epistemically specific as possible, it would be the person of Jesus himself. And I think that would be my main reason for my okay. content. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question that I think I know the answer to, but I don't want to presume. How, how do you know the message or the, how did Jesus convey information to you? Maybe that's what I mean to say. Well, so it would be like me describing the the stellar the, the the mechanics of astronomy. Like when a star appears in the sky, what's actually going on? How many photons are hitting my eye? How far away is this? What's the stellar spectroscopy of all of this stuff? 
and so it, it's it, when you're talking about God revealing himself to to a person, I don't know how familiar you are with scripture, but I think the best analogy that I can come up with uh, that I find to be is, is two places in the Bible. Is one is in John 3, where a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus and is asking about new birth. And Nicodemus has no clue what Jesus is talking about. Uh, Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nic Nicodemus is like, I have to enter into my mother's womb a second time. And Jesus is, says, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. And then Jesus describes to him new birth, like knowing, seeing the effects of the wind, but not knowing from where it's coming or to where it's going. That's one example that I think resonates with my experience. Okay, and the so second, if I can, before, before you give me the second, let me make sure I understand the first. Um, what I think I'm hearing you say is you, you, you've learned things through Jesus by the effects that he has enacted in the world. Is that correct? In the world, in myself and other people. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so again, to, I know you have a second, a second reason, but before we go on, the, the idea is to try to figure out, right? Like what those things are. We, we've identified one, which is that the gospels record things. Are there, are there other ways in which Jesus has revealed information to you? Through creation. Okay, um, so looking around at, at what exists. Right, so I'm a, a lay astronomer. I've helped co-author a book on the cosmos. It's my favorite thing to study. Uh -huh. um, and so, the, you know, in, in Christian theology and tradition, there are generally this, this uh, metaphor of two books. So God reveals himself to us through what he has made, and through what is written. Jesus, when he would quote the Old Testament, you know, there was no New Testament in Jesus' day, he was living it out. He would quote the New Testament and say, as it is written, or it is written. And he would quote from, from the prophets or something. And so, so there's two revelations. There's the revelation of God through nature and the intelligibility of nature and all of that. And then there's the revelation of, of God through, through scripture. And that's traditionally how I've understood it. Okay. Oh. So that's, that's fantastic. I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from with those reasons, but let's go back to what we were talking about earlier in trying to explain why I'm asking you this question to begin with. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. Um, let's, so you, you know, you've, you know, things about astronomy that, that cause you to conclude things about Jesus's life and about, um, the universe and, and all of this stuff. Uh, in particular, I'm hearing you say, and I really don't want to put words in your mouth, so let me know if I'm saying the wrong thing, but I think if I'm following the thread, there are things that you've learned about astronomy that have caused you to conclude that Jesus Christ was resurrected bodily. It's part of it, certainly. Okay, okay. So but, but this is me, great. Me, this is I, well. Just give me just one second. One second, and I, I apologize, really, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page because the reason why I'm asking you this question is to see: is it really a pillar that's holding up your belief? So, for example, if if when you studied astronomy, you found out that actually there were no there were no stars. Um, you know, or so, this, the, the way the universe was designed was completely random and there was no, you know, I don't know, interesting structure. Would your confidence that Jesus Christ was resurrected be lowered? 
Well, here's here's my issue, and I've I've had this, and this is going to be my answer, and it. it okay, no worries, no kind stress. Of one of my long-standing embedded critiques with street epistemology, but it's my answer. Um, okay. People have accused me of avoiding or not liking hypothetical scenarios, and my okay. criticism has been when it comes to the traditional evidence for Christianity, it seems like, in general, the kind of the way a street epistemology conversation unfolds doesn't deal with the evidence presented, but more in line of hypothetical scenarios that lead an interlocutor to give an answer that may so, or may so, not be true. Yeah, I so, totally hear you. I'm definitely not trying to say that there that the universe is not structured or anything like that. I'm no. trying to figure out is your knowledge about astronomy really getting you to the belief that Jesus Christ was resurrected? Absolutely. Because if you if it. you tell me if you tell me that were the structure of the universe different, I would be less confident that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Then I would say, oh, okay, this is a really important reason. But well, if, on the other hand, you were to tell me that it wouldn't affect your belief at all, I would say, well, let's not talk about that reason because it doesn't seem to be a big part of your your pie chart. Well, the, the problem I'm having is with the, the problem I generally tend to have is with the hypothetical scenario where like you could ask me if, if your house was burning down, what would you do? I could tell you what I think I would do, but when there's a fire in my house, I don't know Fair what enough. I would actually do. Yeah. And yeah. that's where, you know, if, well, so let me ask if you I the, had to, if I had to tell you like, like the apostle Peter, this is an example that I think it might answer your question. Um, Peter, at one point during Jesus's earthly ministry before he died, had said to Jesus, I will never deny you. I will never, I will always be with you. And then later, you know, that's a hypothetical. I'll never deny you. I know that I will never deny you. And then later, Peter denies him three times and weeps bitterly. So I, I honestly don't know in these hypothetical situations what would be the case. And to me, they don't really deal with the evidence. Uh, they deal with potential psychological states of a person yeah. in the future. I'm I'm not even to the part of the conversation where I'm trying to figure out are your reasons good? I'm still I'm way earlier and I'm trying to figure out are these your reasons? Yeah. Like they're your reasons. So if I definitely hear that you're saying they're your reasons, but let, let's pick the easier of the case, of the two and I think this will be more clear. For example, if if we lived in a world where there was no gospel, if it was the same world, but there just there was no written evidence of Jesus Christ having even existed, right? Would your confidence be as strong as it is? Well, if Jesus didn't exist, I probably would not be a Christian. So ah uh, no no no. So he so in this hypothetical, he did exist. He does exist. He did exist, but he didn't leave any gospel, any written record. No testimony that was written down. So would, would your confidence still be quite high? Well, again, this this is my problem with hypotheticals. I don't think that says anything about the belief. Really what it is is more about my psychology. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, 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 absolutely. But that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to figure out because if you, it, here's, here's how it works. If you tell me, yes, my confidence would be lower, 
I'd say, okay, fantastic. The gospel is a really important part of this. But on the other hand, you could also say, no, I think I would still be just as confident. And that's an honest answer, right? There's no right or wrong answer. But if you said, no, I, I wouldn't change my confidence levels, I'd say, okay, great. I'm not really interested in talking about the gospels because even if the gospels didn't exist, you would still be just as confident as you are. So there must be something else that's getting you that confidence. Does well, that make sense? It does. And this is where this is where I get as a as a SE critic, this is where I get frustrated because okay. my confidence has nothing to do with whether or not what I believe is true. You're, it's it's more of a, a psychological evaluation of my confidence than it is, is this really true? And, it, and this is where I get frustrated is because it's like, well, I'm I'm giving you these reasons and I'm confident. And it seems like this is an effort in trying to get me to to find something to reduce my confidence. Whereas I'm telling you, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, yeah. I, the hypotheticals are I, I understand their their value if if you're trying to, you know, quote, quote unquote, get in somebody's head. But I, I don't actually honestly, truthfully know, because I, I've said in other videos, it's like, well, what what would um, what would affect your confidence in your belief? And as right. a Christian for 30 years, I could tell you that the death of a loved one might affect my confidence, uh, a, a loss, a tragedy, some kind of sorrow or suffering. I mean, it was Peter denied Jesus three times over something rather I, trivial. I hate to interrupt. We're going to have to start wrapping up. So I'm just okay. You know. Yeah, no, not a problem. That's that's fine. Um, I know we didn't get past stage two, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I, I, let me maybe reveal something, right? Because this is meant to be an honest exchange. Like, let's say we were exploring my belief that um, that my wife loves me. And, and I said, well, the reason I know my wife loves me is because every morning um, when we wake up, she tells me that she loves me. And, and right, let's imagine the roles were reversed. And you heard me say that. And you said, well, Chucky, in a world where she didn't say every morning, I love you, would your confidence that she loves you be less? I would find it easy to say, yes, my confidence would be less because that is something that's getting me to that high confidence. And that exchange, communi it, it, it communicates the fact that that is an important reason. Does that, I feel like maybe we're sort of talking past each other about this. Well, I, I think if, uh, I, I, I do understand you, I, I, I believe, I, I do understand you. Uh -huh. But I think if if the if me as your interlocutor tells you he's confident, and that these are reasons that give me the confidence, um, I don't know of I'm not sure I'm un, I'm not clear about what the value is of exploring beyond if you take my word I'm confident if you take my word I'm you know 100 percent or whatever yeah that 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 I've expressed to you that these are important right. things right. and it's, that it's a little I'm being honest when I'm when I'm yeah. saying. I'm being honest when I'm saying I have here, here are some things that would reduce my confidence. We don't even have to take away Jesus. We can say, well, tomorrow Dan Ray wakes up and finds out, you know, this and this happened, uh, you know, and my, suddenly yeah. my life is like the book of Job, uh, you know, or or something goes wrong or some trivial thing happens to me. I might reduce my confidence. In other words, Jackie, there are a million things that might reduce my confidence because I'm a frail human being. So, Absolutely. And I think if, if we were to continue the conversation, I think that would be the way to go. And, and I didn't I didn't mean to ask you this in order to to try to trick you or put you on the spot. I guess 
I, so we've brought everybody else back in. Um, so I'll just sort of reflect. If you watch, if you, and I, I know you have done so, but if you watch straight epistemology videos, what you'll often find is that people, people will give, let's say, three reasons that support their belief. And somebody will ask them, okay, if, if you didn't have that reason, would you be any less confident? And they'll say, no, I would be the same amount of confidence. This actually happens a surprising amount. Like it actually happens a lot that people think that they have reasons that are getting them to a confidence, but those reasons aren't actually part of the equation. And I was hoping to like try that with you, but it seems that maybe it made you, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it just came across wrong and it wasn't my intention. And so I apologize. No, I I, I sought no ill will. I, I understand, you know, I'm in a, the weird disposition of completely understanding or at least having an opinion about why there's more of an emphasis on confidence in street epistemology than there is the actual belief. Um, and it could be my biases that are, you know, coming out. So, you know, yeah. it's a weird, it's it's an unusual exchange, Chucky, I, I concede, but I, I sense no ill will on your part, but I just think okay, that excellent. Yeah. The, the, the confidence question um, for me is always independent yeah. of what I'm actually saying I think is true. Um, I, but but so I felt I'm, like... Yeah, I'm, let me tie a bow in this. I, I, yeah, really, I really would love to continue this conversation. I'm not even like, I'm not saying this to, just to be nice. So if, if you'd like, you can contact me offline. We can do a video together um, or we don't have to record it. But we can continue this conversation where we try to avoid this idea of confidence. Um, entirely if 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 you'd be inclined it's okay if you don't but yeah i i think i think there's two levels there and i would be sure you have my email um my emails on my my uh youtube page so you can get a hold okay. of that um but i think you know it's the difference is you want to explore my confidence i want to explore the truth of the, the belief and i think that's where maybe the, the right the and i want to meet you in the middle so that you know it's just a shame we yeah. it took us this long to figure out that we have this bit of a disconnect here well we're, um, we're in a tough so I'll, i'm going to shut up and let uh lisa and janos try to maybe put some commentary in here and i'll, I'll well, bail out I'm sorry for monopolizing all the time actually daniel uh, before you go i have one one question for you one last question um, you say it, that you've watched a lot of SE conversations, um, uh -huh. a lot of videos, right? Um, have you found any? Um, have you have you watched any as example of an SE um, interview that was not about religious beliefs, where oh, you yeah. thought where where you thought that um, the that SE was useful in exploring? The interlocutor's reasons for believing it and help them reflect on the quality of these reasons. Yeah, I, I think I've conceded in some videos where I think the the civility, um, the the idea of providing a moment for people to reflect is cool. I'm I, I mean that's Socratic, right? That that's very ancient practice. We can have civil conversations and ask good questions of each other as we've been doing for centuries. Um, where where the where it gets a little hairy is. In, in motivations of some practitioners um, in terms right. well, of how questions might be, but, well, but, but yeah, I will, I will concede what, what I have, I have, what I can, what I feel is, is beneficial to having a street mm -hmm. epistemology conversation. But I also am, um, you know, have my strong opinions about what I think motivations tend to be sometimes. Okay. So that uh, has, that, has that ever been, 
Uh, oh, Lisa, I think you're muted. Yeah, you're muted. Can I ask a quick question? Absolutely. About that topic, um, you mentioned like um, possibly you use the phrase "getting in somebody's head." Is that as a motivation of doing SE? Is that one of your main complaints? Does it feel like people yeah, feels, who are practicing it, it, SE are trying to get in your head? It's, yeah, I mean that's colloquial. I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, it does. Sometimes it feels like a like a. Um, you were talking about confidence, you know, and that that is that has deep roots in who we are as people, um, mm -hmm. and that there's psychology involved in that. So yeah, it does feel like a getting inside the head and examining what's going on inside of a person's brain. Um, not just cognitively, but on an emotional, you know, on different levels there. And so it, it does at times feel like a psychological evaluation. For what it's worth, is that worth, always I, I, a bad thing? Well, no. Uh, if it's done with proper motivations and intent, I think. Um, but it's it's difficult. It's certainly a difficult aspect of street epistemology, in my opinion, yes. Okay. I was just curious. I, I definitely want to apologize if you feel like I've done something untoward. No, I, I, I don't. I don't know of anything, Chucky. I mean, okay, uh, all right. I think I think we've actually sort of had a meeting of the minds, and and my understanding is that you'd you'd be more interested in talking about maybe the quality of the evidence itself, and and less about the me trying to help you find out are these your good reasons? Yeah, if if yeah. like. A, interlocutor tells you they're confident i think yeah the, and again the only reason we do it is because so many people and this this might sound conceited and perhaps it is but so many people are actually mistaken about what their reasons are people will often say for, for example let's pick christianity they'll they'll say for example well the the prophecies are one of my good reasons. And then you'll say, well, what if those prophecies didn't exist? They'll say, well, it wouldn't affect my confidence. What does that tell you? What does that tell me? It, it tells me that we don't need to talk about the quality of that piece of evidence because it doesn't affect the confidence level. And I feel like that insight is can be really useful and very surprising to people. They can realize, it oh, often is I always yeah. thought that that was the main reason why I believe it's true. And yeah. I just learned it really isn't. That's and I well, think that's, that's, that's great. I think it's maybe you know. I apologize because I'm sure from your position, it seems like I'm underestimating you. I know you've, you. This is your life, and here I am asking you. Are you sure your reasons, your reasons, and you're like, no, no, yeah, they're my reasons. No, I we I talk to atheists. We we engage every month, and we have good have good friends that are atheists all the time, and yeah. I'm. We, we interact with the top minds and authors in atheism, and I've heard everything. <laughs> so yeah. and and so it's not a big deal. Uh, at all. Um, um, but I, I didn't want to monopolize the time in, in, in taking your Yeah, chat. well, thanks for, so much for calling in, Daniel. I, yeah, I thanks really for having me, guys. It. Thanks. Um, yeah. Bye-bye. See you. Take care. All right. Okay. Any we have feedback or, or... Right. J let me just say that we have two people waiting in line. Um, oh, excellent. Oh, okay. But if, I don't know if, if they want to uh, chime in on the on the feedback or if we want to do. I mean, I, f I feel like we should do a little feedback on, on that conversation just now. Um, yeah, step back. I'll just I'll just be quiet for a second and, and let you you reflect. Uh, 
Well, I'll, I'll ask. I can see the the people who have called in um, their little preview pictures. So if you called in because you and if you're interested in talking about um, this conversation we just had and give some feedback, maybe raise your hand and I can add you. Diamond Discourse uh, raises his hand. So um, I hope it's okay if I just add him to the stream. We'll we'll discuss it together. Hey everybody! Hey. hey, good to see y'all. Um, yeah, yeah good to see you. I totally enjoyed the conversation you had with Daniel, and and just wanted to chime in with uh, with the feedback. Um, the couple things I just want to get off right to start is it's really challenging sometimes when someone knows SE so well, and and then you're trying to do just basic SE. And people tend to anticipate what you're going to say and and maybe even read more into it or, or they're like, you know, three steps down the road and you're like, wait, wait, let's get clarify this one step, you know, and and so I totally heard that in the conversation, but you did a really good job. I felt Chucky in clarifying the purpose, even though I really think Daniel does know what are the a lot of those the purpose of those questions, but it's still good to mm -hmm. articulate. And, and I think that that was productive and, and, and by the way, Daniel, I, if you're still listening, um, you know, we, I certainly appreciate your, your criticisms. And I think you do have an impact and, and improve SE through your, your contribution. So um, I'm happy to have, have you on anyway. Yeah, um, I feel like I actually yeah. learned something from from that conversation. I, I I think it hadn't struck me before that that question is a little bit it's a little bit pokey, right? It's a little mm. bit like you just told me this is one of your reasons. Are you sure it's one of your reasons? <laughs> right. I think that can come across as being a little like a like a dick question. Yeah. And I think I think I'd like to find a different way to do that or you know, maybe maybe the right thing to do, even even if it's not the efficient thing to do, maybe the right thing to do is just assume that that is a reason and go through and explore that chain of reasoning. And then it's just I've seen so many times when people are mistaken. About well, I feel most people you, you don't ask, are you sure that that's your reason? That's not what you do. You say if if you didn't have that reason, would you still believe it? Would your confidence change? And I feel I've never, at least in my experience, no one has ever taken that or yeah, taken that as, well, are you sure that that's your reason and taken offense? Well, we, I it? guess we have an example now, right? Yes. So... Yes. But I, what I'm saying is I think the reason is that Daniel, Daniel is very um, familiar with SE and, and knows what the purpose of the question is. Yeah. I liked how you went really early on and turned it back on him and said, why am I asking you about the trunk of the tree versus the branches or whatever, however you worded it? Yeah, I could Just tell, I could tell on the same page. I don't want to pretend to be a psychologist or, or anything, but I could tell he's, he's thinking about the method and he's thinking about, you know, what's wrong with strict epistemology and that he doesn't like this thing about the methods. Because I think if, if I could charitably steel man where Daniel's coming from, I think he sees street epistemology as a way to poke holes in people's ideas. And by isolating reasons, for example, 
the, the same way I might isolate stars in the sky, it, it makes each reason feel more weak. And then if I can poke a hole in one star, it's, I'm, I'm sitting there going, aha, your, your belief system is terrible. You've lost, you've lost one of your stars, you know? Um, I wonder I, in, yeah. in that example, if maybe you could take another claim that, that you both would agree has loads and loads of evidence for. Yeah, and, that's and why I say, tried to talk yeah. about my wife loves me. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You did that, so yeah. right on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Tom. Also, when like when you said uh, one example that I still remember was when when he said, and the the second reason, and you slowed him down and said, okay, yeah, I understand. You have a second reason. Let me let me stop you right there. Um, that is something that I feel. At first, you when you learn SE, you learn to hold back. You learn to let your interlocutor talk. You learn to listen. You learn to not interrupt them and say, but what about this? Um, and at first, that's the challenge. And then you get yeah. to a stage where you do that. And sometimes you have a, a, an interlocutor who likes to really um, explain in detail all their different reasons and can get like not get preachy, but, you know, um, quote unquote um and and i feel like in some cases where you they're skipping things that you want to explore and that's important and they're kind of like skipping over that yeah and you need to learn not to you're not not to damage rapport and also that it's necessary sometimes to risk maybe potentially damaging rapport yeah. if you mm -hmm. still want to have the se interview and not listen to them talking for for 15 20 minutes so I think That's you did that really, really well. Had. Yeah. It's yeah. How do you let them talk? And when do you bring it back to the claim? Like how, where, is there a line? Is there any rule yeah. or anything to. I think for. Yeah. Because some again, people to, just go and go and go and go. To off. give Daniel credit, right. Part of the quote problem is that he lives and breathes this idea and he has thought about it for so long. He, he's he's a hundred steps ahead of me. And, you know, like he knows everything there is to know about all of this stuff having to do with biblical, um, you know, reasoning. Um, and I think, I think it is worth it to, to, to say, okay, slow down. You're going too fast for me. That's, that's what I meant to convey. I'm not sure if I did a great job, but it's like, I can only think about one reason at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I thought it was great. Um, let me just mention that we now have uh, three more people waiting in line. Um, let's just keep let's that in put, mind. Let's put two more people on at the same time. And, and Diamond, you stay here for a minute. We can do that. Sure. Oh, uh, you're muted. I, oh, yeah. Uh, I have to run anyway, so I'm going to try. Oh, okay. Out. All right. All right. But no, well done. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Diamond. Thank you. Bye. All right. So I'll, am I just going to add all three of them at the same time? Yeah, let's let's have a an open discussion if they both have feedback. Let's try that. Oh, one just left. All right, hi, welcome. Well, hello. Hi. Hello. Can you introduce yourselves or, you know, give your screen name or handle? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, my name is Steve McRae. I'm the uh, host of the Non Sequitur show. Uh, 
longtime friend of Anthony Agnabosco when he first started to treat a policy made way back in the day uh, for Peter Bergosian and uh, Conceptual James and all those guys. Excellent. You say you say your name, Steve? Steve McCray, yes. Okay, excellent. And oh, we lost the other person. Yes. All right. Well, Steve, I feel, you're, you're not familiar with my show. I take it. This is fine. Nobody, nobody is. I apologize. There's, there's so much YouTube. <laughs> no, no. Yes, I'm well aware of that. Um, no. So you know, I've had some criticisms from straight epistemology from when it first was uh, came about, and so I don't really want to be, uh, you know, like SE'd, but I was kind of wondering if any of those things that I had first discussed with Anthony uh, as has been implicated or implemented uh, over a period of time, because one of the criticisms I had with straight epistemology is that as somebody who actually has a fondness for epistemology, uh, the approach that I, I noticed was to try to undermine justificatory conditions for substantiating a belief, right? So a person makes a claim and then you, they say, okay, what are the reasons for these beliefs? And you kind of, to essentially undermine the, the reasoning by which they rationalize their particular belief. And sometimes that's perfectly fine. But when I have watched some of the, is the street epistemology videos, um, sometimes I think so they do so a little bit unfairly because they try to make it all evidential and empirical. And they seem to not allow for any kind of rationalism or pragmatism or prudentialism, which are justificatory conditions for a yeah. rational belief. And so, uh, I mean, I, I think the street epistemology has a very good approach. And I think that is a great. And I think we all should evaluate our dostastic positions. But I've seen people maybe do so um, unfairly when they might have, you know, some reasons to believe something. Uh, and if, if, even if they lose that belief, they've done it so from a dishonest means rather than come to that conclusion that the belief is false through a more uh, a, a more rational me method. Does yeah, that make sense? I, I totally hear where you're coming from. I to to try to um, cooperate on this point, I would I would change maybe change it just a little bit to say that one of the things you can discuss with your conversation partner is how much you should trust. Uh, logical arguments versus empirical evidence. And and that's something for your conversation partner to decide for themselves. It's not for me to tell them. Okay, so when it comes to like logical arguments, I mean, you, you're not familiar with me. Somebody in your audience uh, knows about me. I, I have logical arguments that I actually do. I write a, a blog, a epistemology blog. I have novel uh, logical arguments. I'm trying to publish one right now. Um, and when it comes to these logical arguments, let, let, course, sorry, sorry, I'll be the I'll be the person who interrupts, sure. but I just want to make sure we introduce the other two oh, people I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, added I'm, to the call. Yeah, by all means, um, can, can we get some names for the other two people? Yeah, I'm Kevin. Hi, uh, Kevin. Hi, I do a study group here in uh, in South Dakota uh, every Saturday morning for two hours, and been doing it for about six months. So, a study group related to street epistemology or religion yeah. or okay, street epistemology specifically. Yeah. Excellent. You say your name cool. is Kevin. Yep, Kevin. Okay, and and who's our last caller? Um, yeah, hi, I'm I'm Rob. Um, yeah, I don't I don't YouTube anything related to SE, but I've been sort of following the discords and following the content of all you folks uh, quite a lot. There's lots of good stuff to learn here. I think. Excellent. Thank thanks for calling in, Rob. So we've heard from Steve, um, sort of raised the question of is or logical or rational reasons for believing how they relate to empirical reasons for believing. Does, does anybody else have any thoughts about that? Yeah, actually, that, that ties into sort of the feedback that I'd, I'd wanted to, to present is that um, Excellent. There, there's a there's I guess there's a useful question in whether or not um, certain irrational beliefs need to be discarded um, when they're 
isn't evidence to hold them, um, assuming that that irrational belief is still has good protective power or, you know, is beneficial without being damaging to anyone else, perhaps. So, so we can, we can hold irrational beliefs or we can hold beliefs that we can't yet rationalize, but we can, we have utility for them. So I guess what, what it sounded like with this uh, particular conversation was that, um, the caller finds utility in their, in their faith. And they are aware that their confidence in their claim is not, uh, proof for or against the actual truth of the claim. And they're taking the SE stance of trying to establish confidence as, as, as if the SE practitioner is saying, um, if I lower your confidence, your, the truth of your claim lowers along with it. Mm. And so when they approach it like that, then they see, you know, you using confidence as a gauge as an attempt to undermine the truth of their claim. And they're saying, well, obviously that doesn't work. That doesn't impact the truth of my claim. I'm, my claim is true or false, independent of my confidence in the truth. But again, I'm, that's- I'm curious, um, Lisa and, and Janusz, because you, you both run these study, these practice sessions. Do you ever run into the situation where people, people are like, I don't have evidence, evidence, but I have, rational reasons or logical reasons to believe how do you navigate those kinds of conversations uh go ahead yeah okay well i, I have i have an example not maybe not rational logical reasons um i've had a conversation with someone who um who said that the reason for their belief was that um they felt it was it was good to believe in it, not because they were really confident that it was true. Uh, like it makes them a better person. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd and be it a makes, pragmatic makes, reason. It, yeah, pragmatic. Yeah. That's a good word. Right. Yeah. Pragmatic. Yeah. Um, and they that was a god belief. I don't know if the reason was it makes me a better person, or it it it's a good force in the world, or it helps me cope with things, or I don't know exactly. I don't right. remember exactly. And they have since changed their position on that belief. But yeah, that, that's an example that I can remember from the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And we've come across that in my group as well. And I can like remember back when I was a believer too. Like I thought I literally had logical and rational reasons for believing because nobody ever challenged it. And I thought these were good reasons for holding this belief. And it wasn't. And I wish somebody would have done SE on me so I could have given it more thought. And, and uh, because my, in my definition of what is logical and rational was off base. Yeah, it's an interesting little dance. I mean, I think I agree in principle with what Steve is saying. Like, I do have my own opinions about whether, let's say, a proof is good evidence versus... I, I don't know. I, I want to emphasize evidence, evidentiary well, evidence. A proof, a, proof is, a proof is a form of evidence. Okay. A proof, a logical it is. Proof is a very pure form. It's, it's not it empirical, totally right? Is, yeah. I mean, it's not something that we observe. It's something we test, but it's right. a deductive argument. Most of my arguments are deductive in nature, but right. a deductive argument is something that is going to say, look, if this is a valid structure, if it's by a rule of inference and the premises are true, it is a form of evidence. And evidence, evidence has different meanings. 
in science, evidence is what changes the likelihood of hypothesis to be more likely true. If your observation, you have an observation, I have a hypothesis. Evidence is going to substantiate that hypothesis as being more likely than the null. But in other types of discussions, evidence can be anything you, you posit to somebody to say, look, this is what I want you to evaluate. Uh, for example, like the people say that the Bible isn't evidence, it's the claim. Well, not necessarily so. When it, when when somebody like a theist, and I know I happen to know Daniel, okay, I've actually uh, met him in Texas. He, I was invited to speak uh, at his book club, and I beat out Richard Carey. I got to throw that in there. Um, and so he's a great guy, and, and and he really does believe these things, and he's know these things, these topics very well. Um, but when when you, when you have um, uh, something that 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 is a, a logical argumentation, and people say say okay. That's not evidence to me. And they say something along the lines, like somebody just did in the audience said, hey, look, if you start off with if, you're automatically being circular. And, and that's no, it's conditional, right? And so yeah. the, like, when the hypothesis, I think like the, these pro things the problem, and I think we agree on this, the problem is if the, if the person who's sort of managing the conversation tries to insert their own agenda, their own, let's say, biases, and, uh, biases yeah, mm -hmm. because again, like I might have the bias that, um, empirical evidence is better than rational evidence. I might have right, that bias. right, exactly. And, and, and Hume would argue but, that you know. But my job as a as a conversation facilitator is to to merely point out to the person I'm talking to. I'm noticing this. How do you feel about empirical versus mm -hmm. rational evidence? Sure. Because this person might say, "I want to believe things that make the world better, not things that are true." For right, example. but he's he's offering up, and I, and I have his book, by the way, um, and it's a very beautiful book. I mean, <laughs> um, but when they're offering up this evidence, like for example, like the Bible, I'm not a theologian. I have absolutely no interest in theology, to be honest with you. Even though I just spent three hours talking about Christianity on my own channel, um, but when they're offering the Bible, that's evidence that they're saying, "Look, I'm there." Like Dan would say that the things in the, that's held in the Bible that's evidential to him. And you can then question those things as evidence as far as the veracity of them, if they're vertical towards reality. But to say, and you're, I'm not saying you guys do, but some atheists say, look, the Bible is not evidence. Well, of course, the Bible is evidence. It's a history book. Doesn't mean you have to yeah. accept everything in there as, you know, as a truth. I'm, I'm very much anti young earth creationist, for example. I'm very well known in the anti young earth creation community, even though I'm friends with a lot of the <laughs> young earthers. But I, I would explain to them why their young earth creationism is wrong, but they're able to use the Bible as evidence to me to say, look, this is why I believe young earth creationism. And then we could talk about why we think that those, those justifications are incorrect. Yeah. Right. So I saw you nodding your head at some point, Kevin, you, you have some thoughts about this? Yeah, no, I just, um, you know, the whole conversation, it, it just felt like, um, no, I don't know any of the, any of the gentleman's background at all, but it really feels like he didn't want to examine like he was trying to avoid getting into what he felt was a trap. And he's heard enough SC mm. to feel like he was going to be trapped. That's probably that's true. Kind of, that's kind of where I felt like he was skirting. Hmm. Th that's Des Daniel. Yeah, I, I would probably say you're on the money. It's on hard. I, I've gotten into this situ the same situation. I mean, you could be right. But I've gotten into the same situation with my father. I'm trying to have conversations with. And it's it's gotten so tense that as soon as I ask a question, he thinks I'm trying to trap him. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 a real breakdown in rapport, I think, at that point. Right, but that's a family relationship. Those are way <laughs> it's much harder to navigate. Yeah, exactly. Right. Perhaps I'm. You're not going to be more charitable and be successful. Probably yeah. right away. Perhaps I what want you, to be more charitable. Saying, no, perhaps I want to be more charitable than I need to be, but. Um, 
I, I feel like, like I, I agree with what Steve is saying there. And I don't think we just, I just don't think we got to that point yet. I think there was still this impasse on what confidence even means mm -hmm. and yeah. whether or not there's confidence being presented as a counter argument to the claim, um, which I don't, which I don't think we ever got past. Yeah, and whereas we almost needed to, to get Daniel to define, um, whatever terminology whatever word he wanted to use to describe the thing the feeling of sureness that he is right about his truth claim and that's all that we were really that, like that's what we're talking about when we're talking about exploring their confidence in the claim but he's feeling that we're using this confidence as a counter argument to the claim yeah. and i think i think you're dead on in that and that's why it's important when we're talking about belief systems right we're talking about confidence levels and you're talking about what your, your epistemic certainty is. And there's difference between certainty and certitude, right? And there's difference between knowledge and belief, obviously. And, and and people need to understand that this is a linear thing. Knowledge is a subset of belief and certainty is the high, highest of all of them, epistemic certainty, like a Descartes certainty. So you don't have to have certainty to have knowledge and you don't have to have knowledge to have belief. And so when you're just talking about a dosastic position, a belief, that's just saying that, look, I'm holding a proposition to be true. I'm holding that the propositional content is the case. And so... You have to ask the interlocutor that you're having, like with Daniel, what's his confidence level as far as like, I, he doesn't have to be certain. And I don't think Daniel even would ever say that he's certain on many things. There are some things you can be certain on. But when it comes to the God claim, when a, when a theist says they're, they're absolutely certain, there's a lot to unpack there because they're not claiming not just a yeah, status, didn't. not just he knowledge, didn't. they're claiming I mean, let's, certainty. Let's be, let's be careful. Daniel definitely did not. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. He said right. he was quite sure and he was very clear. And, and, so and I just want to, I'm, yeah, I'm just aware, right. There's six people on. Um, no, if, uh, and we also don't have much time left in the show. So um, maybe we can give some parting comments. Uh, Kevin, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, any comments about this specifically or about Age, well, I, I, I know we sort of we sort of pulled the, pulled a surprise bringing all of you on at once. And so I just want to make sure you get to say what you called in to say. Oh, yeah. Basically, I was just going to say uh, we had some good conversations this morning uh, in our in our meetings, too. Uh, and just like one of the ones was we talked about uh, fear. Uh, there was one claim that was being made that from the political side, Republicans use fear and Democrats need to use fear more to get people out to vote. Oh, that's And then so I was exploring just that cool. fear. What, what's what's a world like with just fear? <laughs> just, was, was that an in-person or an online meeting? Uh, it's a, we do a mixed meeting. We have in-person and online. Cool. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, we need to have uh, a talk about the different different styles of uh, practice meetings at some point and uh, get together all of us that mm -hmm. that will be fascinating to explore. But yeah, I would maybe, love maybe this is that. a good time to mention that right after this show ends, there is an Australian um, practice session on Discord. Um, I'll put the link to Discord in the comments if you're interested. Um, so Rob, uh, did, what did you want to say something? You know, I, I think I think I, I said what I meant to say, I guess, up front. It was just that roadblock, that that brick wall we seem to keep hitting about, um, you know, I think we all think that we all know what we mean by confidence. But in this case, I think confidence was being interpreted as a as a as a proof or as a yeah. as a an actual uh, counter argument. Um, so and I mean, all his objections were perfectly reasonable objections if you assume that confidence 
lowering would change the the actual truth claims truth truthiness yeah. <laughs> but but yeah that's i mean that's that seems to be the roadblock we're up against and i don't know what kind of ground we can give and say you know for sure well, i agree uh, changing your confidence does not have any impact on the truth claim yeah so i think now i understand that where that it's aside, coming from now yeah, yeah now exactly. that we put that all yeah. aside what's the next thing so if if confidence is off the table now um how do you define your sureness in the claim your i yeah. don't know maybe there's another word we have to find or maybe we just need to find what they're yeah um because we're just I think this we, is, yeah we know what we're after a, but it's yeah. a great example of how every conversation is different and every person is different they they're bringing something to the conversation you have to listen to them and see where they're coming from and i think if we had more time i think we could have skirted around this issue about confidence and and this kind of stuff um scott any any final words you mean Steve? <laughs> Steve, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just I'm... no worries. No, no. I, like I said, I, I, I wanted to say what I want to say. I, I would be happy to have a conversation about epistemology with you directly one of these days if you're interested. Uh, again, um, you know, I think it's important that when people do these these types of things that they take an epistemological approach because I, I when I do watch these things, um, I see some misinformation being bantered about um, when it comes to things like what a belief is. I've had people tell me they don't even have beliefs. I call them dosastic nihilist. It makes no yeah. sense, right? Um, I've had people tell me things that I've told them that are objectively a fact, right? Not just subjective. God is a subjective belief, right? I mean, there is no objective fact of the matter that I think exists on that. Um, but there are certain things that are just objective facts that I've had people don't accept. They will say that, you know, that's not true. And I'm like, well, it's irrational to not accept something if it's an objective fact that can be demonstrated easily. Like, for example, a equals A. If you don't accept that, there's, there might be an issue there, right? And so I, I just think that in the street epistemology, I think it was Robert Roy, with, with, with Rob, um, yeah, spot on. When it comes to the terminology and the vernacular, you're dealing with a very specific types of words that your, your interlocutor may not be familiar with and have a very different mindset of what they mean when it comes to confidence, when it comes to surety, indubitability, uh, uh, you know, uh, certitude, certainty. They all mean different things, especially even in the literature. And I think that there's that impasse when you're talking to somebody like Daniel, who's very articulate, very well-read, very educated. I know his background. I know you know what he's capable of. I know who he associates with. Uh, and like you said, he's already five steps, six heads ahead, ahead yeah. of you on that. Well, so I, not, not to cast a negative light on on uh, Daniel's motive specifically. I, I I don't I don't imagine that he has negative motives in that way. No, but no, no. I no, think he's a good I think there's a, a I think there is a going to be a very simple trend not a simple trend but a, lo a logical trend amongst apologetics or apologists and amongst people that are um speaking to their their fellow co-religionists i suppose and giving them um when those people are coming to them and saying yeah i, I saw this se conversation and it really kind of made me worry about uh, whether or not my god claim is true because my confidence was changed and they're going to say well you don't have to worry about that because confident your confidence doesn't affect the the truth it's of the claim so you can be, be you can still be just as sure in the claim but you know don't worry that they told you your confidence changed so i think that's a, a trend that we're going to see more of as a as a counter apologetic to to the approach of se when it's applied specifically to religion all right i think this has been fascinating um, um thanks for calling in Yamash, yeah, I just had one more one more thought. Uh, I, I believe that it's called street epistemology for a reason, and usually we use intuitive 
definitions of these terms, like, for example, confidence. We, most people, uh, neither the, the interlocutors nor the interviewers, are even aware of the very specific definitions of certainty, certitude, uh, confidence, all of that. And I think there's um, uh, that's an advantage because you can just have go out and have conversations with anyone. But it also means that sometimes when you ha have studied philosophy and epistemology and you have all this academic understanding of it, that can get in the way even of, of having a... No, I agree, I agree with you with that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, agree yeah. with you. I was going to say that same thing. Even the last that's few true. shows that I've watched, there's been a lot of very studied people and it's kind of taken the street out of it. And I think right. it actually takes away from what we're trying to do when we get into the weeds like that, into that side mm -hmm. of it. So I guess I'd say you, again, you really need to meet people where they're at. If someone is, you know, aligns themselves as an academic, you have to have that conversation, and, and maybe, maybe yeah, that's, you're not the person to do it. You know, you, you can't have one size fits all, right? right? And, I just and, want to make sure that. Like right. we have time to wrap up the show. So I really appreciate you all calling in. Uh, thanks About, so much for your uh, input. Yeah. Nice meeting you all. Thanks, thanks a lot. All and right. Thanks. Nice Janish. Yeah. Sure. Maybe, um, maybe adding three was a little much, but it was, Hey, we're trying, <laughs> right? It, trying to squeeze everything in. We're experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I make okay. a comment I just wanted to, real quick? Yeah. 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 I just, for me, I get I tune out and kind of get bored when it gets deep dive into the the philosophy of everything. Like I just don't care about that. For me, it's about <laughs> talking to people and finding out what they believe in their definitions of the words and yeah and the 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 I don't know it, education level doesn't interest me like I, I like talking to normal people who, who are like me i guess <laughs> like i just don't care about philosophy that much it's not a yeah. thing i'm into but i love talking to people and i want to hear what they believe and what they think and why yeah. they think it so and most people don't aren't into philosophy either so it's a very small percentage and i understand why they want to talk about it and get into it and with other people who also love it like go for it, do that. But for me, street epistemology is more about normal everyday people just figuring out with my friends and family what they're thinking. Yeah. We've and, got both takes in chat. One yeah. person saying, let's keep the street in a street epistemology and another person <laughs> saying a street epistemologist who doesn't know philosophy isn't doing epistemology. So we've got both, right. both sides. I get that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And like, am I not allowed to do it if I haven't studied philosophy? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, is there a education limit level you have to reach right, before yeah. you're qualified to practice? Yeah. I want everybody to learn the techniques. I want my kids to learn, my teenagers to learn, just to learn how to use that line of questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think someone who's really mired in the philosophy, I'd want to ask them, like, is this is this sort of complicated chain of things really the reason that you think that if you open the window, things are still going to be right side up. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's probably experiential. It's probably, you know, the, the consistency of it. And it's not, it's not anything philosophical, but that maybe, maybe I have a bias. <laughs> yeah. We all do. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So we've only got a few minutes left. I just want to make sure we had time together to sort of 
take a breath and, and wrap things up. Um, is there anything we want to mention? I think I, I said the Australian practice session meets right after the show ends, and I put a link in the chat. Anything else? Linda. Lisa. Lisa. Yeah. Lisa. <laughs> Sorry. I get called Linda a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into more doing putting groups together and meetup groups and in live in person. So anybody who's interested in doing that in their area, like I'm trying to put a, a packet together, like or just like a document of some sort to help people get started in that. So I've been working on that and I'm open to feedback and information or anybody else who has ideas too. And I'll share what I've learned and what works and what I've tried that hasn't worked. And um, I think it's been really helpful and really good to have in-person conversations and to like spread the word and teach other people how to use street epistemology. So super that's my cool. Yeah, I hope, I hope Kevin yeah. contacts you. He's, he has, he has yeah, a group. I'd love to, uh, yeah. I'd like to talk to him, yeah. And actually I wanna just, uh, chime in with that and and say because uh, i don't some some people know i'm on the board of street epistemology international and i am uh, since i've um i've built up this this german uh language community um and i i do have some experience with that but i don't really have experience with in-person meetings that much so but i think it would be great if we could just all get together and um, like you said, I've, we've had that thought before as well, um, like make a package for new groups that mm -hmm. that f form and help them uh, find other people interested in SE, etc. Yes, that would be great to do that. Um, so yeah, maybe we, we can cooperate on that. And then That'd another thing is that uh, it's great that we're, I mean, at the beginning, at first we, we were doing the, the review shows and that what those weren't call-in shows it was just a panel of people then we did the call-in shows and there were uh, interactions were increasing but now we are having so many uh, callers which is great and i think like it it looks like people are really interested in uh getting mm -hmm. on the show talking asking questions having these these interviews um live so yeah i think that's that's working out great yeah and, I, I thought it was a good balance of like commentary and also doing SE conversations. I think we want to do both. Yeah. Right. And of course, we're like, if you want to, um, if, if you have any suggestions for improving the show, just feel free to, to criticize or, or tell us how great we we're doing. Yeah. And if, if anyone, I don't know if, um, uh, if anybody's still here in the audience, but if, if you talk to us and you want to continue these conversations, you can contact me. Um, probably both of you would also be interested in that. Uh, Absolutely. And we could, yeah. we could record a whole, you know, two hour conversation, uh, going through something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks All for right. letting me join today. That was fun. Absolutely. I'm so glad. I mean, you had just the right knowledge. We're talking all about this in-person stuff. We met a person who I've never seen in the community who's doing this. It seems like, yeah, like you, you all have a lot to share to, yeah, with each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard starting out too when you don't know you're like starting from scratch. So making these connections is going to be really helpful going forward. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think that'll be it for today. Uh, we're going to try to do this every Saturday at the same time. So I hope to see you next time. Um, and everyone head on over to <laughs> the Australian practice session if you want. That's right. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care.
Bye. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization. <laughs>